0: 2. If you would go ahead and throw in there Mark chapter number 2. Really just a simple song to try to bring to you tonight. Um, It's nothing deep and nothing you've ever seen before. Uh, Maybe just a reminder to you. Maybe a challenge to you if Lord will allow us to do that here tonight. Mark chapter number 2. Let's start in verse number 1. It says, and again he entered to Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, and so much there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one stick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus followed their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who could forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say to thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed. And wherefore, before them all, they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion." Let's pray. Brother Penix, would you help us up a prayer tonight? <laughs> Amen. We're here tonight at your Alaskan Missions Conference. Your focus on Alaska. We're all, we're all here for one purpose. That's because we know that Alaska needs the gospel. We all, we all agree on that. And you specifically see the need for gospel. That's what you're having this missions conference for. At least your pastor does this way. He has his theme here this week. And I, so you see the need. In you know, this message tonight, I pray it would be some sort of solution to this need, if, if we can call it that. We can talk about the problem until we're blue in the face, but unless we offer a solution, nothing's going nothing's to get done. We have the solution for the lack of gospel in, in Alaska. We have the gospel. The gospel is the solution for the lack of the gospel. Very simple, very simple, very simple thing here. We've got to give them the gospel. We know that. And we, we know the solution. We all do the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man come to the Father, but by me. He's the only way. Gonna, the only thing that's going to change anything. And we understand that. He's the only way. We know that we, know that we have the solution. But, but what are we doing about it? If you had the cure for cancer, you probably this illustration before. If you had the cure for cancer and you just sat on it your entire life, it'd be one of one of the biggest wastes of time. One of the saddest things you could ever do. If you had, to, if you could cure one of the world's greatest diseases, and you sat on it for the rest of your life, what kind of waste of time would that be? We have something a lot bigger than that. Not only is everybody affected by cancer, but every living soul is affected. That They're all born into sin. We all have the the sin debt on us until we're forgiven that. We have the the solution to the problem. We have the cure for the disease of people dying and going to hell. What are we doing about the cure? If we have the cure, we know the solution to the problem. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about getting it out? I'm afraid oftentimes it's very easy, at least least for us anyway, it's very easy to get so disgusted by the sin of the world you can turn everywhere you turn there there's time we, we went to the restaurant today. Me and my money and my sons, and there's a person coming out look like a lady. It's not a lady. It looked that way. Come out of the men's restroom. It's very easy to get so disgusted by the sin of our nation, the sin of this world today. It's very easy to get disgusted by that, and you ought to be disgusted by the sin of this world. If you're not, you might want to read your Bible a little more, get we'll a check up a little bit. You ought to be disgusted by the sin we're living in, living around. It's very easy to get so disgusted by that. We turn into Pharisees, turn our noses up at it, and walk on by. And we have the only cure for the problem. We only have the only solution for their problem in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just preventive medicine here. I understand where I am tonight. I know there's a lot of missionaries coming out of this place, to this place. I understand Understand where I am tonight. But Lord, Lord won't let me get away from the burden for this passage, the burden for this message here. John twenty twenty one. 21, then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as our Father has sent me, even so send I you. If God's a father, in his only begotten son to a lost and died, send his son to, to me and you. And then that son say to his disciples, even so send I you. And then we get Matthew twenty eight nineteen heard that, heard that the night go you therefore and teach all nations. does there's leave very much room for excuses for not getting the gospel out. And there are no excuses. No room for excuses. This masculine is very, very simple, simple and to the point. And I'm going to be around a bush trying to just, just gonna give you what the Bible says. I'm gonna stay right here in the Word of God tonight. Try my best to preach on this simple fault on will you carry your corner? This passage here is a very familiar passage. We can call it that. I'm sure you've heard the story many times before. Probably heard it preached on many times before. I-, I have, anyway. So I'm gonna try my best not to bore you too bad tonight. But I will say right here in the Word of God, and if the Word of God bores you, well, that's a different problem. Another, another message for another day. There's another story. It's in all three of the synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all mention this story here. Mark gives a few more details. That's where I'm going to stay here tonight. You can find this many places. This is not a parable. This is a real story. really did happen. Or the Lord really did heal a palsy man. He really did save his soul. And He really did heal him from the, being a palsy man. So we're just going to jump right into the passage. Here, number one. we see the crowd. Verse number one. So Then again he entered to Capernaum after some days. And there was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come in and bring in one stick of the palsy, which was born of four. Notice first here we see The crowd. Jesus come back to town, back to Capernaum again. Mark doesn't spend too much time on the beginning of the life of Jesus here in, in, in his gospel. But in chapter 1 of the book of Mark, Jesus is born, he, he is raised up, he is baptized, he calls disciples, he begins healing people on the first chapter of the book of Mark. It's in chapter 1, that great verse, verse number 38. Let's go into the next town as I may preach there all sorts of use that verse. convicted me many times when getting the gospel out. We'll A lot in chapter number 1 of the book of Mark. So Jesus has already been around as we come into chapter number 2 of the book of Mark. People people know something about this man named Jesus. They've heard his name around. His popularity has gotten out about what he can do. The healing of his sick and different things. The miracles he's performed. People want to see this man named Jesus. They may not care anything about whether he's a son of God or not. They may not believe that he is a son of God. But they, 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 it's the word's gotten out. That he can heal the sick and bring sight to the blind maybe and cleanse the leper and all these things. No, it's not a surprise they had no trouble filling the house. It was coming to verse number 2. No trouble filling the house. People are excited. The house was filled. No, it says there was no room to receive them. So the house is packed out. Standing room only except for a few. They're sitting down. We'll get to those in a little bit. It also says in verse 2 that he preached the word unto them. Pretty good thing to do when you got a house full of people. This place is packed out. Jesus is preaching and sharing the gospel with them. But the only one that we can read about that got changed on that day was the man left outside that couldn't get in. The house is packed out, except for a few, standing room only except for a few. The only one that got changed on that day that we can read about is the one that left one that was left outside. Just because there's a crowd does not mean anything getting done on the inside. There's a crowd that came to see Jesus. healed was sick, yet no one except for those four thought they should bring a sick man to Jesus. Let's go see Jesus heal somebody. And those four—they—they they only brought a sick person. The only one we read about brought a sick person to Jesus. What are these people there for then? Maybe they're, there for, maybe they're for their own needs. Maybe they're sick themselves. That's, that's possible. And that's the place you ought to go if you need some help. Go to find the final Maybe they just had a selfishness. Maybe they there had pure entertainment. Just to see what might happen on that. And probably a lot of that going on in the house on that day. Especially the Pharisees. They come to Jesus. just see what Jesus might do. Try to catch him in some trouble. Try to, try to get rid of him. what the Pharisees are doing. Scribes anyway. Just because the house was full does not mean the lives were being changed. The only quarter of the life that was changed was a man that was passed by all except for these four. Let's be careful not to fill the house. Ignore those on the outside that could be changed if we could just get them to Jesus. We all want big crowds, and I, I get it. There's a lot of encouragement when it comes to the, the house being full, and I don't know if a preacher worth his thought doesn't want to see any visitors coming to the house for God. That's what we want to see. The house be filled. That's what we're here. We want to see that. But there's a crowd out there today that's only interested in the crowd. Back in North Carolina, I don't know if you heard of it before. There's a lot of. Different things go on there and in, in the south and there in our has The elevation church, evolution—what is what we call it—nothing more than modern-day motivational. A bunch of heretics is what that is. I was supposed to say that, not. But that's what I'm going to say is that's what it is—a bunch of heretics and just wasting time. It's motivational speaking, patting people on the back, and sending them on the way to hell. Is what they're doing just because there's a crowd does not mean God's doing anything in the midst of it. The difference here is Jesus was in the house down there. That Jesus not with a hundred miles from any of those places. But are we here for the right reasons? How many times do we pass on by the palsy on our way to fill the house and leave them laying in the street? We see the picture here, the, the palsy, picture of sin. We understand that. get to more of that later on. But how often do we ignore the palsy on our way to fill the house? And we go home, we pop our suspenders and say, man, what a good day we had God's house today. And nothing was done. You preach the Word, something's going to get done. I'm not saying you're not wasting, wasting time there. You get what I'm saying? Many places today, nothing more than just a bunch of motivational speaking. Wasting, wasting time. Nobody's getting changed. How can we ignore the palsy and fill the house and so nobody gets changed? We all do it. I have I've done it before. This is a conference focused on Alaska. How, how easy it is to fly over and see town after town after town full of palsy people dying and going to hell and pass them on by and never think anything about it ever again. Man, the house is full. What about the palsy? About about Paul's over St. Mary's or Rampart or Selowick or Cordova. What about those that can't get to Jesus? They can't get to the house of God because there is no house What about them? Who's going to carry them? I preached a few months back, back at our home church on the sin of Sodom in. I already mentioned that a little bit here tonight. And How often it is to get so disgusted by that sin. It is many more sins than just that. But for me, it gets, I get disgusted by that sin. And the only thing that's going to fix that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We understand that. They're sinners just like everybody else. says. Where's our heart for the hurting? Where's the heart for the palsy? Where's the burdens for the lost? They're sick. They're a palsy. Who's going to bring them to Jesus? Who's going to get the Gospel to them? God forbid our house be filled. We have to build another house to fit everybody inside. Oh, while they care of leaving the palsy out in the streets and nothing's getting changed. I'm all for having a big crowd. It's encouraging. It makes me nervous. But it's a good thing. God's not caring only for the numbers. He wants His house to be filled. Luke tells us to go going out into the alleys and hedges that His house may be filled. Just because the house is full doesn't I mean anything's getting done. We see that they had a crowd here. If God was all about numbers, then the NFL would be a godly organization. We see the crowd. What about the palsy? The house was full. One need needed to be changed was left outside. What did you come here for tonight? We see the crowd. The church is not here just to grow a number. I know we know that. We're not just saved to sit in the pew and never do anything else about it. We're saved to serve. We're saved to get busy. Not everybody can go to Cordova. Not everybody can go to St. Mary's. But you can go to your workplace Monday morning and see people I've never seen in my entire life. We've got a little job to do. We're saved to serve. We're saved to reach the Lord. We're saved for a purpose. How are we going to do anything about reaching the great state of Alaska? I, I, the, what can we do about reaching the state of Alaska? The only, the only way anything is going to happen is you personally are going to have to purpose in your heart to follow the leadership of the Holy Ghost and go reach as many as you possibly can on your own. The only way that's going to happen is you personally doing something about it. If you wait on somebody else to do it, it's never going to happen. The only thing anything is going to change is if you personally get a burden to do something about the lack of gospel in the great state of Alaska. You don't have to have a calling to go to your lost neighbor and give them the gospel. You have a command, you have a commission, if you will, to go do just that. Amen. We see the crowd. They had it packed out. Nothing's getting done. We see the sick, verse number three. And they come and bring in one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Sick of the palsy, what is this? A little bit. I've read it. It's most likely it's paralytic, probably has some involuntary tremors, different things you could put into that. Uh, disease there. But needless to say, he, he could not walk and could not in any way, shape, or form get himself inside the house on that day. I wonder if he even knew anything about Jesus being in the house. Maybe he heard where people were going. I don't know. He, he's been stuck in his bed for quite some time, apparently, it seems. I don't even know if he knew that Jesus could heal him. Maybe he thought he was just too far gone. Has anybody ever told him what Jesus could do for him? Maybe he's heard a few rumors. Maybe, maybe he didn't believe it himself. Maybe he thought Jesus could heal others, maybe he thought he was just he was just too far gone. you understand what I'm going with this. How many Pauls do we have here that maybe they just don't know they can find Jesus at Independent Baptist Church? Maybe they don't know that he'd be looking for him. Maybe they don't know that he can change their life. How many Pauls do have that maybe they've been to vacation Bible school or Sunday school as a kid? Maybe they've heard stories and heard rumors, maybe they think they're just, just too far gone. Can you think of anybody like that tonight? Romans 10, 14, it says, How then shall they call in whom they have not believed? And how shall they them in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The next verse says, And how shall they preach so that they be sent? Where are they at tonight? Where are the Pauls at tonight? The only reason they're not here, I say this very carefully, the only reason they're not here is either they refuse to come, I'm not telling you to go force them, although we already compel them to come,
1: Either they refused
0: or we didn't think it important enough to invite them. The Lord's convicting me on this thing. I say this very carefully. it's convicting to me. The only reason lost people are lost people. Lost people you know are lost people. Because they refuse the gospel that you've given them. Or you haven't given it to them. Unless you're a Calvinist. And you have to agree that the only reason the people that you know are lost is because they've refused it or they haven't gotten it yet. Don't get me wrong, I believe in the Holy Ghost conviction. I'm not here for looking for a one through three, repeat after me. Easy prayers and salvation not going to last. I'm not looking for that. But I still believe in 2 Peter three nine. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He wants, Jesus wants the lost in life to be saved. Jesus wants people on the corner to be saved more than I do. I believe that. Where's the palsy tonight? I know it's not very encouraging, maybe. Maybe not what you're looking for on a Friday night. This is what God's placed in my heart and broken my heart over this thing. If we really believed in a place called hell, if we believed it was a real place, if we believed people were dying and going there to spend eternity there, we'd do everything in our power to make sure they don't have to go there. If we really believed that it was a real place, we'd do everything we could. If we truly believe God could save whosoever, we do everything in our power to make sure whosoever got the gospel. Are you going? Are you trying your best to get the palsy to Jesus? Will you carry your corner? Look at this last, last phrase there, verse number 3. It says, The Lord was born before. There are four people that said, You know what? If we can just get this man to Jesus, I can believe He can do something with him on this day. I believe it's not an easy task. Here they carry this man in his bed, a paralyzed man that can in no way, shape, or form help himself. I don't know about I've been a pallbearer for him about you. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy task. These four people, they picked up this man in his bed and carried him all the way to Jesus. I don't know how far it was. It doesn't say, I don't know, I don't know how heavy it was. It doesn't say they picked him up and carried him in his bed all the way to Jesus. They didn't care about the difficulty they were faced with to get into Jesus. They didn't care if it took take him a little bit longer than normal to get there to where Jesus was. They were the last ones. There. The, the place was packed out, standing room only. They were stuck outside. They were, the, they were late getting to the house because they picked up the palsy man. They spent the time, the effort, picked him up. Carried him to Jesus. Well, let's not make excuses for why we're to attempting to get somebody else to Jesus. Well, I, I just don't have to, you don't understand my schedule, preacher. I just don't have time. I don't have time to do those things. A uh, small delay in your day is not going to compare to the first day in a place called hell. It's not going to compare. Oh, well, it's so far and it's so expensive. And it's just a so few amount of people. Don't let us ever fit the value of a lost soul into our budget. God forbid we ever try to do that. Well, they might reject me. It's not your job to bring them. It's just your job to sow this tea, let God do the rest of that. It's not your job to produce results. If you produce results, it's going to be your results anyway, not God's results. You just keep carrying your corner. Don't let your excuses keep you from carrying your corner. I can promise you, on this day, for these five people involved, it made quite the impact on their life. I can guarantee it. They didn't leave that day they wishing they hadn't passed the positive man on by and let him run away there in his bed on his like. I can promise you, it made a difference. They didn't leave regretting and they spent the time and the effort to get him to Jesus. They may have even been sore the next day. I promise you they didn't mind spending the time and the effort. Their schedule got messed up. They're still there. Let me add this. and I don't want to read anything into Scripture here, but it doesn't say that. How many times did they bring this man to Jesus before today? I don't know. This very well could have been the very first time. It could have been the second. It could have been the tenth. I, I don't know. I don't want, I'm not trying to add something here to Scripture, but... They don't always get saved in the first time. Not I gets saved the first time. I heard the gospel for 11 years before I ever believed it. And I didn't know anything else. I grew up in the house of God. They don't always believe the first time they hear the gospel. Just keep going. And keep sowing And keep carrying and keep, keep carrying your corner. Keep going over and over and over again. Let God give the increase. The last Sunday we were there in Craig. I got to baptize three, several young people. at least three young people there before we left. And it was cold and rainy. The coldest water I've ever been in my entire life. And I was numb from the waist down. Fun experience, you should go try it. There's a younger boy that came, first time to come to church, and just probably 11, 12. And he came to me and said he wanted to be baptized. one of his friends getting baptized. He said he wanted to be baptized too. I didn't know him, he didn't know me. And I said, well, we'll talk. We need to talk about that first. And told him we'd talk after service. And I don't know if he's ever been to church before, first time he have ever been to our church. And obviously he's confused on some things. And so we talked him after service, I got to sit down with him. And he didn't know much about anything about the gospel. He had heard of Jesus before, but he didn't know anything about who Jesus was and why he came. And he 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 didn't know about the cross, and he, he didn't know about him rising again. He, he, he didn't know hell was a real place. He didn't know anything about anything. So I just started in Genesis and trying to walk him through the scriptures, like Philip and you just, just preach Christ as much as I could. Genesis to the end, trying tried my best to do that. And he's sitting there, he's soaking it up like a sponge, and his eyes were open, and he admitted to being sinner, and it broke his heart there on that day. And I believe he got saved. Now, i done in prayer. I believe he got saved. You're pinned up his sins. I believe he got saved. He didn't know Jesus was in the house. He didn't know he needed to be looking for Jesus. He didn't know Jesus could change his life. He didn't know anything about anything. He just knew he needed something. I mean, many positive do have? They just don't know they need to be looking for Jesus. They're looking everywhere they can and the bottle, and the drug, They're looking everywhere they can. They don't know what they need. They know they need something. They need some kind of peace. They can't find it anywhere else. They just don't know what Jesus can do for them. How shall they call in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? There's a lost and down world out there that just needs the Gospel. It's not a complicated thing. They just need the Gospel. Our nation needs a lot of things and we can talk about that. But our nation needs more than anything else and we know this. this is it Jesus Christ. They need to hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a complicated thing. That will fix everything. If they just believe the gospel. What are you going to do about it? You say it can't be that simple, preacher. The Bible says it is. The gospel is the only solution. I understand we see that these things are going to wax worse and worse. I've read the Bible. I understand. The only thing that's going to fix anything is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do about it? Well, i got a church preacher... Praise the Lord. You'll be faithful to the house of God. Well, I'm saved. Praise the Lord. You ought to be saved. You're not saved. Come get saved first. But what are you doing personally about getting the gospel to the state of Alaska, to the world? Our focus this week is the state of Alaska. They're out there. It's your responsibility, just as much as it is mine, to reach them with the gospel. We see the crowd, we see the sick see the task? I've already gotten a little bit of this there. got ahead of myself. Verse number four. It says, When they cannot come on in for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they broke up, they let down the bed where in the stick of the palsy lay. They couldn't get inside of Jesus to the door. They climbed up on the roof. They made a new door. Let the man down to Jesus. you read a little bit about this. i talks to some other people there from Israel about this. Uh, it's not easy. They didn't just spread the hay across and throw the man down. This roof was most likely made to walk on. They had to layer upon layer of mud and hay and different things layer upon layer. just going some work to get through that roof on that day to get this man. It was quite the job to get through the roof to get into Jesus on that day. I can promise you, if you try to bring somebody, to you try to get them to the gospel sooner or later, the devil's going to do all he can. He's going to do his best to put a stop to it. He's going to do everything he can to put a stop to getting the gospel out. He can, do whatever he can to put every gospel obstacle he can think of in the way from getting the gospel out. They're always going to be busy. They're always going to have an excuse. It doesn't give you the right to forget about the palsy. Just keep going. Just keep going. Notice so what these four did. They crossed some boundaries here and get the gospel out. They were bold. I don't know where this man was. They just went, up, went and picked him up and carried him in his entire bed. Immediately couldn't put up much of a fight being a palsy man. They just picked the whole thing up and got him to Jesus. They had tore a hole probably in somebody else's roof on that day. I hope they went back the next week and fixed it. I don't know. I hope they did. It's some pretty unorthodox things to get this man to Jesus. Very bold. I heard of an, an older man, a military man. He became a preacher and he got saved. And anyway, he got saved and then became a preacher. And he said he was knocking on doors and said that somebody else was with him. And said if he knocked on doors, somebody tried to slam the door. He'd stick his foot in the door so they couldn't slam it and give them the gospel. I don't know if you've try that. You probably get shot around here. But... I would probably shoot you from my door anyway. You ought to be bold about getting the gospel out. you got to be bold. The task we have is not promised to be an easy one. In fact, it's the opposite. It's not promised to be easy. It's going to take some boldness. It's going to take some stick-to-itiveness. If that's a word, it's not. I made it one. You're going to get the gospel to Alaskans. you got to be bold. One thing we've learned, Alaskans are a lot like independent Baptists. Now I'm going to offend you, that's all right. We're hard headed. I'm one. We came both of those are hard headed. Israelites the same way. It's gonna take some work. It's going to take some boldness. You gotta to to just keep going whether you want to or not. Just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. Are you gonna hold your corner? I preached this message a couple of years ago there in Craig. A little bit different than this, but this passage anyway. And I I, I thought I knew what I was talking about. And probably must say, Lord, Lord may us live this thing. Just giving the gospel, whether it's easy or not. We had fought some battles there, of course, and different things. There was one Saturday morning I was there studying. We got a message there and my phone. And it had yeah, gone out to the entire, just about the entire church. And some lies told about us and different things that just wasn't true. And all kinds of things going on. And everything in my flesh wanted to call off church that Sunday. And I did. And I, was, I had just come through a little procedure. I just didn't want to be there. My heart wasn't there. I didn't want to be there. The Lord wouldn't let me call off the service. And we go preach. There was more satanic oppression that day and that night than I've ever felt in my entire life. We Lord told us to preach, so we did. There was a man there that morning, Brad. He's he next convict. He's a drug addict. He had been coming a few times. He came that morning. And I preached the gospel that morning. And the Lord dealt with us heart. He came to me after service. The Lord saved his soul. It's not always easy getting the gospel to the palsy. The devil do all he can to put a stop to it. Your flesh is going to do all it can to put a stop to you getting the gospel out. Your flesh ain't going to like it. But if something as big as God moves inside of you, it ought to come up somewhere. The task is not always easy. The palsies still need Jesus. Whether it's easy or not, they still need Jesus. Will you bring them? Will you stand? Sometimes you just have to stand when you don't want to stand. Will you just keep going when you don't want to keep going? We see their tasks, see their faith. Verse number five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, I'm sick of the palsy, son, let sins be forgiven thee." And to be honest with you, I am not obviously here. We already know this; you can see this. I am not a sharpest stool in the shed, especially this thing here. And to be honest, I read that verse; I got a little bit confused. It says, "When Jesus saw their faith, he I'm sick of the palsy, son, let sins be forgiven thee.'" And the so, Lord what is this talking about here. It says, "And saw their faith," and he saves us, man. What is this talking about? We know we know from Scripture it takes personal faith to be saved. Romans ten nine it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. It's thou thy thine now those are personal pronouns? My faith can't save the Paul of a man. Your faith can't save the Paul. I can't save you. You can't save me. We already know that. What is this talking about here? It's all their faith. He forgave his sins. That's what it says. I believe it took not only the faith of the Paul a man to believe that Christ could heal him, Christ could save his soul. We it also take the faith of those that brought him to Jesus. You put it this way. If it wasn't for the faith of the four who carried him, he wouldn't have been in front of Jesus on this day. It takes a believing faith to be saved. We know that. Paul's man has to believe that Jesus can save him to forgive his sins. I can't save him. You, you can't save him. We also take a bringing faith. If it weren't for the faith of those that went and carried him to Jesus, I wonder if he would have ever been in the presence of him. I don't know. It takes a believing faith. We, what else takes a bringing? You've got to believe Jesus can do something with them. That's what a soul winning at. We, that's what we're practicing. Bring, we believe Jesus can save them. Jesus, Jesus can do something with them. If you don't believe Jesus can save them, you're, going to do any, you're not going to put your time or your effort, you're not going to do anything to make sure to, to, to get them to Jesus. Alaskans, just like everybody else, they, they will not get saved unless they personally repent and believe the gospel. But at the same time, they aren't going to hear unless we believe that Jesus cares enough about them to go take the gospel to them. If John Pax didn't believe anybody in Stephen's village could get saved, he wouldn't spend the time, the effort, and the finances to get the gospel there. Do you have faith that God could use you to bring somebody else to Jesus? Well, preacher, that's just the pastor's job. That's just the assistant pastor. That's just the the missionary's job. That's not what Jesus said. He said simply, go ye, not not, go ye preachers or go ye missionaries. Go ye. He's talking talking to those that are saved. Do you have faith that God could use you to reach somebody else? Do you have faith that God could change their life? What an opportunity we have here, even in Anchorage. Folks from all over the state come here for all sorts of different things. You have the opportunity to reach all kinds of people right here. But you to have to believe that the Lord can do something with them. Or just too far gone, preacher. Tell that to the palsy man. Tell that to Apostle Paul. It's all. He's just too far gone. See their unbelief, verse number six. There are certain scribes kind of sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemy who could forget sins but God only? If they only knew what they're saying. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, and they said, reason within themselves, he said, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? These guys were sitting there, no supposition, they were sitting there, nobody asked in the house, but they found a chair. They're sitting there the ones who were sitting not doing anything were the ones who had complaints about how Jesus performed His miracles. It's the same way in churches nowadays. The ones who have the complaints and don't agree with what's going on are probably the ones sitting by. I'm getting myself in trouble here. But that's that's what the, the truth. got encourage you tonight. Don't worry about the comments and the unbelief of the Pharisees and the scribes. Let the Lord handle them. He did it, I like how He did it in this passage here. He said they reasoned within their hearts and heard it in His spirit. And then He said unto them, He He rebuked them publicly. They just thought it, and Jesus spoke up and said, hey, I heard that. He rebuked them publicly. They just thought it. He spoke up. The ones who weren't carrying anybody to Jesus, had complaints about how Jesus performed his miracles. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, we've never done it that way before. That's not how Pastor So-and-so did it, and that's not how Missionary So-and-so did it. There's a much better way we could do these things. Don't be in the crowd sitting by making complaints and not getting anything done. Don't hog the feet of the palsy man. I'm just going to complain about Lord, how the Lord changes his life. Get up and get busy. Go do something. We see their unbelief. We see the palsy stood. The Lord healed him. Verse number 10. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath fallen earth to forgive sins. He said, The sick of the palsy. I say unto thee, Arise and take thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, and so much they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. The Lord had already forgiven his sins. Nobody believed that. They didn't know. They didn't believe it, it even mattered if Jesus forgave his sins or not. So he said, just just to prove that he could forgive sins, he'll just heal them as well. And so they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, "We never saw it on this fashion." Look at that word, all. It means all. Every last one of them, those that were mocking, those that reason within their hearts, those that brought the man to Jesus, they were all amazed and glorified God, saying we never saw. They were amazed at what Jesus could do, and every one of them glorified God on that day. What, what you the power of a testimony? What, what the power of a testament, what the Lord can do. I say this here, this man was carried in. He couldn't go to Jesus if he wanted to on that day. He was carried in. He was, was let down through the roof. It took the faith of those that brought him, as well as his own faith in Jesus. God changed his life. God saved his soul, and he left out carrying his bed carried in on his bed, walked out carrying his bed. And his testimony made everybody all amazed and they all glorified God. Over in John 9, the blind man said, this one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Because I can't tell you everything about what Jesus has done for me, but I can tell you everything about what Jesus is who He is, but I can tell you what He's done for me. Whereas I was blind, now I see. He can make a difference. When others may pass him on by, those four said, "Have faith, if we can just get this man to Jesus, I believe He can do something with them on this day. And He saved his soul and then healed his disease. Can I challenge you tonight? Just get him to Jesus. You don't have to save me. You couldn't save me if you tried to. You just get Him to Jesus. Let Him handle the rest of it. Just get Him the Gospel. Bring them believing Jesus can change their lives. Tell them about what Jesus did for you. Tell them how He saved your soul and how He changed your life and what He's done for you. He's blessed you and taken care of you. Tell them how good He's been to you. Just bring Him to Jesus. The marriage woman over in John 4. What did she say? She only spoke a few words to Jesus and she went back to the men of the city. She said, come stand here and tell me all things that ever I did is not this to Christ. That's all she had to say that's all she knew. But she believed in her heart and people were saved because of her own word. That's what John 4 says. Many more believe because of His own word, but the first few believe because of her testimony. You might say, I don't, want, I don't know what to say. She's telling what Jesus has done for you. Well, He ain't done nothing for me, preacher. Well then, get saved and then go tell them what Jesus has done for you. I'm trying to. bet I'm not a good illustrator. I'm not like Brother Claypool and the everlasting illustration last night. And the best part about illustration last night was Josh Joshua Penix and watching his face. And he saw what was coming from ahead of time. We were we were communicating. He didn't know Anyway, it was, what was funny. His face was about to explode, turn to red. And you should have seen it. I'm trying to try to use the illustration here tonight. Say amen. Come on. I got this bed here. It's the palsy man. He's pretty pretty helpless most of the time. So. Got the palsy man on his bed. If we can just get him to Jesus, he can do something with him. I need some help, Pastor McGovern. Would you would you grab a corner for the penix? Would you, would you grab a corner um, for the butler? Uh, for the Warren, would you come grab a corner? Got the palsy man born of four, and yeah, not going to turn your roofs, you your holes in the roof tonight faster. <laughs> Jesus is over here. If we can just get, get the Paul's the man to Jesus, he can do something with him. You yeah, go ahead. All right, you stop right there. Brother Warren, you can drop your corner and go sit down. Brother Warren got discouraged on the mission field, got tired, and he quit. Can you all three get him to Jesus? You stop right there. Brother Butler, you sit down. The brother, brother did the same. It's a whole lot harder now, but can you two men get him to Jesus? Stop right there for the Phoenix and get sit down. He got discouraged, tired of working, tired of going so far, so much finances for so few. Pastor, did you get him to Jesus? You can stop right there, you can sit down see the point? I believe your pastor would do all he can to reach Alaska with the gospel. He wouldn't have a missions conference like this if he wouldn't. I believe he has a heart for it. Obviously. I believe he'll carry his corner. But he can't reach the whole place at one time. He can do his best to carry all the poles he can. It will be a whole lot easier if you carry your corner. He can't reach Anchorage and St. Mary's at the same time he can't preach in Anchorage and Stevens Village Rampart at the same time. Would you carry your corner? Don't quit. Don't give up. It's palsy people. Dying and going to hell. What are we going to do about it? The Lord didn't tell you to go save them. He called you to be faithful. He called you to give the gospel out every chance you can. who will carry your corner. I suppose we just need somebody just to grab a corner. Acts eight, you know the verse, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I know you know this, it says both hand, not either or. So it's my responsibility to be a witness. The Lord has called me to Cordova, Alaska. My responsibility to be a witness in court Cordova, Alaska. But it's also my responsibility to be a witness in Anchorage, Alaska, and St. Mary's, and Union and all over. It's my responsibility to be a witness everywhere I can. It's my responsibility to be a witness in China and North Carolina. It's my responsibility to get the gospel to the world. Both hand. But it's also your responsibility to get the gospel in all those places as really well. That's why we have missions. The missions conferences always support missionaries. It's our responsibility to reach the world with the gospel. Well, how are we going to do that? Carry my corner. Lauren his corner. By the force go carry it, but the next carry your corner. How are we going to reach Alaska with the gospel? We'll walk down there and hide her with a plane all over southeast. Just carry your corner. I said earlier, there are people in Anchorage, Alaska I'll never meet in my entire life. Well, you'll see them tomorrow. And you carry a corner, church. The only thing, anything that's going to get changed in the state of Alaska is if you personally. Decide you've got to do something about it. We've got a job to do. We've got a great commission. It's not the great suggestion. We've got a job to do. You carry your corner.